Amen and amen. That great name of Jesus. Clarence, would you pray for us, please, as we start? Thank you, Clarence. Thank you, Clarence. Before we get started, I just need to make uh, one public announcement. Today's message will not be politically correct. I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat, okay? Uh, I, do I apologize if I step on your toes? No, sorry, I won't do that because it stepped on my toes too. We're going to preach out of God's Word today. Title of the message is Fear God. Fear God. Solomon, the wisest man on the face of the earth. God gave him that wisdom, didn't he? You remember the story that, that uh, uh, God said, Solomon, what do you want? He said, just give me wisdom. And he became the wealthiest man and the wisest man in the face of the earth. He had great success. He had everything that the world would say makes you successful. He had all the money in the world. I mean, you even remember, he even built God a temple. And he had everything. Kings and queens from around the world would come to sit at his feet, to be in his presence, to listen to the wisdom and the knowledge that he had. He was that good. He was known around the world because of how smart he was. And at first we know that he gave God the credit we know that, that at first he, he was following God and doing what God had called him to do. And, and his heart was towards God and he loved God and, 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 and things were good for him. Yeah, there were struggles, but it was good because he still had a heart for God. But there came a time in his life that he kind of ventured away from his faith. He kind of allowed sin to come into his life. The Bible says he took his eyes off of the Lord and he got to the point in his life that, that, that he kind of figured that, hey, look what I have done. Look what I have done. And he began to think of himself as a little more special than he probably should have. People do that today, don't we? We, we sometimes do that. Look, what I, look at me. Look what I have done. Even though maybe God was the one who did it, we began thinking life is, is good. And the further he got away from his faith, the more his life became dark. He got to the point in his life that, that he, life was just meaningless to him. It was pointless. His life had no value anymore. 
I mean, he was at the very top of the pinnacle. Life was really good. But when he turned his back on the Lord and started walking away from the Lord, his world began to crash. And the Bible says he got into a deep, dark depression because he had left the Lord. You know, that happens when you have tasted the fruits of the Lord and you've given your heart and life to him and now all of a sudden you start walking away from him. And you've tasted his glory, but now you are running from him. You will become depressed. He was in a dark spot in his life. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you've ever tried to read that book, uh, it's kind of hard to read. Because he says in there, what is life? Why are we here? Is this all there is, he would say? He would say, all is vanity. All is vanity. And as he drew near to his end of his life, he began to reflect on his life. He reflected on his life that, that when he was riding high, if you would, all the good that he was doing and all the fun and the happiness and the peace and the joy that he had. And he began to remember why that happened to him. And that was happening to him because God was number one in his life. He was serving God, holy God. And then I think he looked back to, at the low point of his life and, and the struggles that he was having in his life and, and the depression that he was dealing with and the sadness and there was no joy in his life. And he began to wonder, ah, oh, man, that, what was I thinking by running away from the Lord, what was I thinking? And in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, it's, it's, it's chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. He comes up with this conclusion about life, about his life, about everyone's life, if you would. And he says this in Ecclesiastes 12. It says, the conclusion that he has, when all has been heard... Or maybe when it's all been said and done. We'll just do it that way, okay? The conclusion, when it all has been heard, he says to fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. And then he goes on to say in 14, For God will bring every act of judgment, everything that is hidden, whether it is good or evil, he will bring into an account. You see, he concluded what was life all about. How does life, how do we have life? How do we have joy? How do we have a happiness? His conclusion was this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Do we fear God in our lives today? Isaiah 11.3 says, and he, God, will delight in the fear of the Lord. God delights when we fear him. Isaiah 33, 6 says, the fear of the Lord is a gold treasure. You see, for God, for God, he delights when we fear him. We, it is the fear that we have for him is his treasure, it says. And if the fear of the Lord is his delight and his treasure, then maybe you and I must have that kind of fear. 
we see in God's Word all over, we see the word fear, and it's used in many different connotations, if you would. In Proverbs, it says, the fear is the beginning of wisdom. In Philippians, it says, we should work our salvation out in fear and in trembling. In Hebrews, it says, we are to serve Him in reverence and in awe. And in Matthew, it says this, do not fear who will kill the body and cannot kill the soul. But fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And then Second Timothy says he's not given us a spirit of fear. I mean, is all of that, is that a contradiction of stuff? Well, we will, we will see. Does that mean as Christians we are to be scared of God when we have fear God does that mean we're supposed to be scared? Are we supposed to run from God as, as if we're just little kids and if we got a big, big old big monster, a big bear coming after us and we just kind of run from him and we get scared because we see what's coming and, and we read the Bible a little bit and we see that there's judgment coming one day for people and, and, and are we supposed to be scared of a holy God because of what he could do for us? And the answer is no, we're not supposed to be scared of God. We are not supposed to fear God. Matter of fact, the fear of God will drive you and me closer to Him if we allow that fear to do that. Now, if you've never been born again, if you're not a believer, if, if you know nothing about, about Christ and you don't know, want to know anything about Christ and you've rejected Him all your life, you better be scared of Him. You better be scared of him because he is the one that can take the body and the soul and just like that verse I just read, throw them into hell. You're an unbeliever. You better be scared because God says you need to fear me and respect me and honor me, believe in me and trust in me. So how, what would we say about fear of the Lord? It's kind of impossible to give you just a central definition. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says the fear of the Lord this way. He says, therefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God our acceptable service with reverence and with awe. You see, to fear God is we come to him in reverence and we have complete awe of who he is. Today, the objective of the message is to put some, put some meat on that bone right there. What does it look like to come to him with reverence and complete awe? Because, see, as Christians, we are called to do that. We are called to fear him, and we come to him in reverence and complete awe, and, and we know that, but what does that look like? How do we flesh that out? Well, today I'm going to try to do that for you. What does that look like? How does that speak to us to have the fear of God, to come to Him in awe and in reverence? Because the Bible says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Well, let's look at what, what that means. What does the fear of the Lord mean? The first thing it means is you and I as Christians, we are to hallow His name. I mean, you think about the Lord's Prayer, how hallow His name. You see, God's name is to be honored. 
God's name is to be separate. God's name is to be sanctified. God's name is to be honored. He is to give, be, give reverence and holiness to his name. He is Elohim. He is creator. He is strong. He is mighty. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is Adonai. He is Lord. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is Jesus, the name above every other name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But you know, we live in a world, do we not, that does not want to honor the name of God. We don't want to do that. We, we see it on TV and we see it in movies and we see it around the world how they take God's name and they abuse his name. And they take his name in vain, his holy name, and they take it in vain. And they play with it and they use it as, as curse words. And they don't provide any holiness back behind that. And we see the world, and we should just expect that from the world, should we not? Because they have no fear of God. And we say, yeah, Don, preach it, brother. You betcha. I agree with that completely. But you see, the sad part of what I just said is many Christians do the same thing. Many Christians do the same thing. They take God's name and they do not reverence his name and do not fear his name and do not give his name honor and many times I just kind of just shake when I hear this. One of the phrases I believe that Christians use that bring him dishonor is OMG. Oh my God. Because you see, when you use that phrase and you're using something like, I explain or I'm excited or I'm awesome or, or whatever happened here. And we go, oh my God. And we don't give it the honor that we're supposed to. We wear t-shirts that says OMG without giving him honor because of that. I believe that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I've heard Christians go, by God, emphasizing that this person is going to do what I tell them to do. I believe personally, and I believe the, God, the Bible will back me up, that is using the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to make sure they understand it, and I'm going to say, by God, he's going to do it. And as Christians, we take the Lord's name in vain. And the Bible says those who take the Lord's name in vain will not be left unpunished. I encourage you. He is creator of this universe. He is God Almighty. He is the name above every other name. And yet as Christians, many times we take it in vain. We take it flippantly. We don't give him the, the praise and the honor because it's okay because the world does it. No, it's not okay because the world does it. He wants us to fear him. He wants us to respect him and honor him. And we do that by hallowing his name, to make his name special. He is God Almighty. We can never forget that. The second thing I would say about fear of the Lord is we are to respect and honor and adore him and put him number one in our life. There cannot be anyone, anybody more important in your life. The Bible says there shall be no other gods before me. That gods is a little g. There's only one God that gets a capital G and that's God the Father. And he says, I, you can't have other little gods. And, and what does that mean? 
It means anything that we put in our lives that is more important than Him. Anything that is number one in our life, that is the thing that we think about the most, the thing we see the most, the thing that we pursue the most, that is a little God in our life. And that could be possessions, it could be wealth, it could be family, it could be friends. It could be our job, it could be fishing, it could be golf, and none of those things are bad in itself. But we can't put those as number one. God and our relationship with Him must be number one. We must honor Him and respect Him and adore Him and put nothing and no one ahead of our relationship with Holy God. You see, that's, that's the fear of the Lord right there. The fear of the Lord means you're going to love what He loves. <laughs> you're going to love the things that God loves. What does, what does God love? Well, John 3, 6 says we, he, he loves the people of the world. We're to love other people. I believe God loves repentance of a wayward sinner. I believe, believe he loves salvation of a wayward sinner. I mean, I mean, the angels in heaven, the Bible says, are singing over one that has been saved. I believe he loves the sound of that. I believe he loves the sound of his children being faithfully serving him. I believe the, the love that we have is because he loves us. We in turn love others. I believe that we are called to spread the gospel to tell somebody else that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. I believe he loves that when we do that. Because you see, God's very nature is love. And we are to have the same nature. If we ever want to fear the Lord, we must love the Lord what He loves. And the things that are important to the Lord need to be important to us. And if you just think about your own life, is that the case? Do you love the things of the Lord? Do you like, delight in the Lord? Are the things that are important to Him, are they important to you? If we're ever going to have the fear of the Lord in us, we must love the things that God loves. The other side of that coin is we must hate the things that God hates. The things that God hates, we are to hate. And I, and I didn't use the word dislike because the Bible does not use the word dislike. The Bible says these are the things that God hates. Well, let me tell you what God hates. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, God hates idolatry. That is the worship of idols. That is the worship of anything in front of Him. Also in the book of Deuteronomy, it says He hates child sacrifice. And in today's world, I would call that abortion. I would call that abortion. In the book of Leviticus, He hates, the Bible says, sexual perversion. And boy, do we see that today. God hates sexual perversion according to his word. In the book of Psalms, we see he hates those who do evil. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about seven things that God hates. These are not my list. This is his list. Read it in Proverbs. Proverbs 6, and it says this. He says he hates pride. He hates lying. He hates murder. He hates evil plots. He hates those who do evil. He hates those who bear false witness, and he hates troublemakers. 
we are to hate the things that God hates. Because you see, when we love those things and we hate the things that He hates, we are taking on in ourselves the very nature of God. We have the very heart of God when we do what He's asked us to do. And if you ever want to fear the Lord, okay, we must love those and hate those things that God does. We must learn to control what we say as Christians. We must learn to control what, what God says. Matthew 12, 35, he says this. He says, a good man brings out of his good treasure, that's his heart, what is good. And the evil man brings out his evil treasure, his heart, what is that evil. But I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they will give an account for it all the days in the day of judgment. What comes out of our heart, what's in our heart comes out of our mouth. Either good or bad. If we've got good here, it's going to come out. If we've got bad here, it's going to come out. And then he says, one day we'll give an account of every word that we say, every deed and action that we do, there's going to be an account that we'll have to give. For the Christians, it will be either reward or no reward. For the unbeliever, it will be separation from God forever and forever because of our deeds and our rejection of Him. You see, it's important what we say and how we say it. You see, the Bible says, out of the same mouth comes forth blessings and cursings. It ought not to be that way, (laughs) it says in God's Word in James. On Monday morning, we sing Amazing Grace. We sing How Great Thou Art on on Sunday. And on Monday, we're using the same mouth to judge people, condemn people, curse people, blaspheme people. The Bible says it ought not to be that way. But what do you do about it? I mean, what do we do about it? I mean, the Bible says you cannot control the tongue. You can't control it. It is a fire, it says, within the tongue. It, it, is, it is life and death, it says, the Bible says. So if I've got to fear God and I can't control my tongue, how do I fear Him with the things that I do, with the things I do and things I say? Well, there's only one way. You have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, Christian friend. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God living with inside of you. And I would urge you to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to control my mouth. Help me control the the things that I say. And Father, if, if I say things that I should not say, Father, bring conviction into my life. And when the Holy Spirit brings conviction in your life for the things that you have said, that's supposed to bring repentance. And repentance brings forgiveness. And forgiveness brings obedience. And now we have been washed in the, in the cleansing flood of Jesus. And we are now cleansed and we are forgiven. You see, Christians, we've got to control this. If we ever want to fear the Lord, to give Him proper honor and respect. Because you see, the, the Bible tells us, he says, the world will know if you are my disciples by the way you love, the way you speak, the way you act. We are to fear God, are we not? Bring him glory and honor and praise. The next one says, we are to obey him. 
we are to obey God. Not because we have to. <laughs> you know how we had to. I mean, we tell our, our kids when we were growing up, do what I say or else. <laughs> and we want to emphasize that point that you have to do that. God's not like that. You see, we are called to obedience because we desire to be obedient. We want to be obedient to His Word and what He has told us. We want to seek His will even though we don't quite understand what His will might be in our lives. We want to stand on His promises, not understanding that maybe there's no benefit right now to it. We cannot see why He wants me to stand on this promise. But we do it anyway. And why do we do it? Because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed three times, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, that's how we are obedient to Him in His Word. Father, not my will, but your will. Father, show me your will. I might not understand it. I might not know why you want me to move five hours away. I don't know why you might want me to take that job. Father, I don't know. I don't get it. But I get the point that you want what's best for me. And I desire to be obedient to you. To fear God, we must obey him. Because that brings him glory and honor. And the last meat on that bone of, of fearing God is this. We are to praise him. We are to be thankful. We are to worship. And we are to adore and love him. We are to praise him when we're on the mountaintops. Did you know that? When life is on cruise control and life is good, we praise him. And when we get in the valleys of life and the life is hard and those kind of things, the Bible says what? We are to praise Him. You betcha, okay? We are to praise Him. We are to be thankful every day of His salvation. We ought to be thankful every day for His amazing grace and His magnificent mercy. And we should tell Him that every day. Father, thank You for that. Thank You for saving me. Thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross. Father, thank You. Thank You. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And we are to worship him daily. We talked about this last week, and they sang about it today a little bit. We are to bow the knee in submission to our Father and our Lord. That's how we worship him. Not my will, Father, your will. Father, I bow the knee and as I worship you, and, and, and you are my Lord You are my Savior. You are Creator. You are God Almighty. And I worship you because of that. Because of who you are, the great Creator. And then it said we are to adore or to love Him. We are to love God. The Bible says, how much are we to love Him? With all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. That's how much we are to love him. I don't know about you, but there's times when I have to confess, Lord, I don't love you (laughs) with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. Father, I confess that to you. I ask for your forgiveness, Father, because I just don't. Help me, Father, to be that person who loves you with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. You see, if we're ever going to fear God, we have to have these kinds of things in our lives. 
in conclusion, I'll be done. You want a life that is meaningful, a life that is, has value to it. You want a life that is blessed, that God can bless you in. It begins with fearing the Lord. Are you willing to take the advice of the smartest man in the world who experienced both ends of life, the good and the bad of life, and when he decides to think about it and decide what's going on, in conclusion, he says, the only thing that we can do is fear God and keep his commandments. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? And how do we do it? We, we do that by hallowing his name. We do that by making his name above everyone and every else's name. We do that by loving what he loves and hating what he hates. We do that by controlling the things we say. We do that keeping his commandments and his promises. And we do that by praising him, thanking him, worshiping him, adoring him. You see, those are the things that make up reverence and awe of fear of the Lord. You see, that is the meat of those, of those words of reverence and awe. And you see, the crazy thing about it is, if you truly want to fear the Lord like we are called to fear the Lord, one or two of those just won't fit you. <laughs> Every one of those makes up who we are as Christians. Well, I'll, I'll hallow your name, God. I won't, I won't ever use your name in profanity, but, but uh, there are some things I don't want to obey. Uh, there's some things I, I, I should say that I don't want to say. I, uh, I, I, I can't praise you every day, God. That's not going to do it. You see, you look at that list. That list is all-encompassing of who a Christian is supposed to be. Not just one, not just two, not just five. Every one of us should be, have those incorporated into our lives so that we truly can fear God. We can truly come to him with reverence and in awe. That we can truly bow the knee and worship him who he really is. Not who we just think he is. You know, we serve a, a, a great God, do we not? We serve an amazing God. And he wants us to fear him. Not to run from him. You look at that list. That list has nothing to do with running away from God. That list is all about running to him to improve your relationship, to improve your life so that he can bless you because we have the proper fear of the Lord. As we begin our imitation time, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't know how God's spoken to you, but I'm going to ask you something. Do you have the fear of God? Does those characteristics, are they in you? If they are, hallelujah. If they're not, I would urge you to do business with God and ask him why, why you don't. You see, it's important to fear him, to honor him, respect him, glorify him. 
do business with the Lord, please. However God has spoken to you in this message, I would urge you to do it. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no fear of the God, and you better. Today would be a good day to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And you can see what life is all about when you make Him Lord. Take that first step out if you've never done that.